I told the servers beforehand, a good Jesuit liturgy is what we want at least tonight. A good Jesuit liturgy is one in which no one gets hurt or there's no fires. <laughs> and apparently we violated that tonight. If you think it smells out there, you should be up here. The smell of burnt plastic is quite, uh, quite strong up here. But as we gather tonight, of course, we gather with great joy. Alleluia, Christ is risen. And I have to admit, this Lenten season has been one of personal journey for me as I reel and continue to reel with the death of my mother. And I know I'm not alone in that topsy-turvy world of having death so close to us. Said that last year, too, with the COVID, uh, how many of us have been affected by death and never thought it would be so personal. And I will admit, I've, in my memory, have gone back to the graveside service. Of course, every graveside service is miserable and cold, even in the heat of summer. Every time that I've had the privilege of visiting my mom's grave twice since her burial eight weeks ago today, it is so cold in the cemetery. It is so cold. And I'm sure most of us have had that experience. And it's even colder for those who do not have hope. It's colder for those who do not have faith. That this night, things changed for us. And while we grieve and mourn those who are no longer with us in the flesh, we grieve differently because of this night. We grieve differently because we know there is hope that the end of somebody's life is not the end for them. That God, from the beginning, had a plan. You see, that's why we gather and we hear these readings. Sometime in the not-so-distant future, I would hope that we can have all seven of the Old Testament readings. I know that would be a good way for me to personally find my own grave, because we don't like Mass being over an hour, you know, that, that, that 11th commandment, Mass shall not last more than an hour. Well, we're breaking that rule, too, tonight. We threw it right out the window where it should go. But as we gather and hear those readings, even the, the three that we read, heard tonight, proclaimed, we call to mind how God created the earth at the beginning and created it in perfect balance. That everything that was there, everything that was, he created was there in peace and harmony. Even the monsters of the sea. For some reason, that, that phrase jumped out at me tonight as it was proclaimed. The mighty sea monsters. But they were not monsters that scared. And we know what happens. Adam and Eve given that one rule, and like us, they broke that rule too. Do not eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Satan, in the form of a serpent, lying. Oh, God doesn't want you to be like him. That's why he gave you that rule. Go ahead. Nothing's going to happen. 
Yeah, except everything happened. And yet God knew that. And that's what amazes me. God, knowing that Adam and Eve were going to break that only commandment that they had been given, still created them, still loved them, still allowed them to be in the garden, not locking them away before they could eat. Knowing, and knowing even before he created them, even before he began to create anything, telling all the hosts of heaven as they were created what his plan was, that he was going to send a savior because these humans he created, they were going to muck things up. But he loved them. Even before they were created, he loved them, as only God can do. God, God alone can know who we are before we even begin to exist. And God loved them. He loved us. And he didn't want us to stay in that sin. So time and again, how he sent Noah, told Noah to protect humanity, sending him in the ark. Abraham, the near sacrifice of Isaac, testing Abraham to see, is he faithful? Is he going to be able to offer his son in sacrifice? Knowing that God himself was going to be the one who sends his son in sacrifice. But Abraham found faithful, sending Moses, after, of course, the patriarchs. Moses, who would lead the people out of Egypt, out of that place of slavery, lead them to slaughter the Paschal lamb, the Passover lamb, to eat its flesh, to put the blood on the lintels of their doorposts as a sign that they were faithful and asked to renew that year after year after year. And as we hear tonight, and we hear every year, the church instructing us to never skip the third reading, the reading from Exodus. How when their backs were against the wall, how the Egyptians were chasing them down and they were headlong into the sea, how they cried out. And even God telling Moses, why are you crying out? When things look the grimmest, the coldest, the bleakest, it's when God often has a plan. Raise your hands, part the sea, walk. I don't know about you, but that's something that doesn't happen every day, does it? When God acts so majestically in the course of creation that breaks the rules, maybe that's the theme tonight. The rules are broken. He broke the rules of nature itself, that water piled up like a wall and they walked through. Of course, not so lucky for the Pharaoh and his forces. Well, Pharaoh wasn't there, but the forces that he had sent into the sea. And you know the battle is over when they start to, to float dead. And then we hear the prophets who time and again promised that God would send a Savior, time and again promised that God would feed us, nourish us, give us everything we need. And time and again, we would listen and we would stop to listen, stop listening. And we'd listen again and stop listening. The cycle of broken promises and all the time, 
God having a plan. When all was ready, all was right, he sent his Savior into the womb of her blessed mother. He became incarnate, dwelt among us. As we began Lent hearing at the beginning of his ministry with the temptation, beginning his ministry calling all to repentance. This time a repentance that was not just words, not that it was just words in the past, but now a repentance that he was going to give us the cure to make it permanent, to make it last. Repentance in the waters of baptism. That he transformed an act of penance to an act of regeneration for us. And while we at this, this parish, our Erie Faith community, do not celebrate any baptisms this year at this time, doesn't diminish at all the power of this night that God gives to water, the grace to wash away original sin, destroyed, not just a simple dabbling, destroyed. And so as we renew our baptismal promises, it's then we are re-immersed into our own baptism, re-immersed in recommitting ourselves to these promises that we won't dabble in anything other than God, his grace, his might, that this world continues to play this game of the Old Testament of following and not following. But we commit this night again to follow Jesus Christ, to know that he is our Savior and Lord, to know that because of his resurrection, everything has changed. The cemeteries, the graves, the tombs, the mausoleums, the columbaria, the sepulchers that we visit, that we put our deceased in, no longer cold, but by the light of faith are lit as places of hope for us. That those who have gone before us have just gone before us, not gone. There is the difference. We believe different because Christ has made it so. To have hope in Christ is to have hope in everything. To have no hope in Christ is to be hopeless. As we gather this night, we hear this wonderful gospel passage. The women who come and they hear this message of these two strangers. Of course, as women, we can quibble about it at home alone, but no one believed them. Ah, oh, this, this is all senseless. Because the greatest rule of all is when somebody stays dead, is dead, they stay dead. But not Jesus Christ. He broke the very rules that death is put to death by his death. Our Eastern brothers and sisters tell us, by death he has trampled death. And I almost wish we could, but I'm afraid we'd knock the church down but as they say that, every time they say that, they stomp their feet as loud as they can because death is trampled by death. Satan has no reign, no rule, is robbed. He's robbed because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. For those of us who are mourning, for those of us who are sad by the death of a loved one, 
This is a day that gives us light. Not a false light, but a light, a true light. The light of the Paschal Mystery. Those of us who are struggling with disease and sickness, this day gives us hope because Jesus Christ is our divine physician who heals us. For those of us who are struggling with darkened intellect, this day gives us hope because Christ enlightens our mind. And for all of us who have ever struggled with sin, this day gives us hope because Christ Christ gives us strength. All of this, wondrous that it is, was God's plan. If it's God's plan, how can we do anything less than say, Alleluia?